0: Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now.
1: The official sponsor of the Can We Please Talk podcast is Fresh Roasted Coffee. It's a new year. Let's get you some great tasting coffee to help you start your day off right. Whether you're shopping for coffees, teas, syrups, mixes, mugs, gift cards, and more, When you get to checkout, enter in the promo code CANWEGET20 to get 20% off your first purchase of the delicious coffee that helps Nick and I get through these episodes. Head to our sponsors at FreshRoastedCoffee.com today. Hey, everybody, welcome into an all new episode of Can We Please Talk podcast. As always, I'm Mike Leon and I'm Nick Severin. On the program today, you get a classified doc. You get some classified docs. The latest on who's got what, Nick. I mean, I, I, we're losing track, but don't worry. We will break it all down. If you missed the week that was on the classified docs front, you can follow us on Braid as well. We've had some uh, folks explain all the classified doc stuff in the coming weeks. We've got some great guests lined up about all this. But Nick... Former President Donald Trump is being reinstated to Facebook and Instagram. Coming soon. More on that in a bit, Nick and I, with some takes on that. Plus, the only way to stop a six-year-old with a gun is to not have a six-year-old have a gun. If you haven't heard the story of the six-year-old who shot his teacher in Virginia, that's right. No typos in that sentence that I just said. We will explain later on in the program. Nick, man, you know, what a transition here because... I want to find out how you're doing. We haven't recorded since Sunday. Since you and I recorded Sunday, I was thinking about this as we were prepping for today's episode. Since you and I recorded Sunday, there's been three mass shootings in this country, in Oakland, California, actually all three of them in California. Uh, so Gavin Newsom, what's going on there? And we saw his press conference, what he said. Um, but three mass shootings in this country, classified documents you know, out the wazoo. Uh, and we're going to get into our first segment in a little bit about what the National Archives sent out recently to all former presidents. Hey, everybody, should you check your records if you could? Um, a lot of news going on all over the place, but it's been wild, man. It's like every time we're about to record, when we post an episode, something else happens. And it makes me laugh because when people hit me up and say, how do you think of content? Well, I mean, just turn on the TV. So how you been, my friend? And And with all this happening, dude, we're going to get into some of this stuff, but like, how you been? I, I Literally, haven't talked to you since Sunday and all of this stuff has broken. We've been texting each other about some of this stuff and what to do for our Friday episode for our listeners.
2: Yeah, I, I'm good. You know, uh, personally here, you know, we've been, you know, we've been, you know, fighting a little stomach bug and I, actually I've been getting some uh, texts from my wife and it sounds like it's about to hit her now. Oh. Um, wow. So usually yeah. how it works. Exactly. It just runs its course and is a very household, but we're good. You know, it's funny, as you were talking about, you know, those things that have come up recently, mass shootings and, um, you know, classified documents apparently available, you know, everywhere, <laughs> wherever you get your podcast. No. Yeah, yeah, check your eBay. Yeah, exactly. But they both feel very American. You know, and when people do ask us about, you know, where you get content from and how do you sort of keep momentum? It's like simply pay attention to what happens in the United States of America at this point, apparently. And it is It's quite laughable, sadly, because both of those seem like the the wildest of situations that really are our country is one of the few that seems to have a problem with these things currently, you know, and you can also loop into that, you know, what's going on with George Santos. It seems like every day a journalist is just following him, asking questions, and there's just others, you know, wild stuff that he has to say or more things are being discovered. And you see that. And you can't help but, and again, you've left the country, you've been out of the country recently, you can't help but sort of step out of your body for a minute and think, you know, someone looking at our country must be thinking we really don't have our stuff together.
1: Yeah, no, very, first off, very well said. And I'm sure our listeners across the pond, we have a lot of listeners over in the UK and other parts of Europe and throughout the world, uh, because we've had some guests on from around the world, but it is. Again, each country has its own thing going on. If you lived in New Zealand right now with the prime minister resigning, that would be your focal point. Right. Uh, If you lived in the UK and what's happening there. So like to each its own when you live in that respective country and the news that's happening in that country. But you're right. If you're if you're just parachuting in on the US and you're looking at from afar, uh, the way we're covering this is, I mean, this is unprecedented. In how many people, I can't remember any of this happening a decade ago, where cl- classified documents from the Bush administration, uh, from the Clinton administration were all being found. So, anyway, let's get into our first segment then, uh, because a perfect segue if you haven't heard the news about the latest, this was, this broke maybe a couple of days ago. We're recording this. Uh, for you guys for our Friday episode here. But the FBI retrieved a small number of documents with classified markings from former Vice President Mike Pence's Carmel, Indiana home earlier this month. Now, why does this matter? According to Axios, the document discovery comes as both, obviously, President Biden and former President Trump are under investigation for their handling of classified documents. There's There's a bunch of stark differences between the three of these respective cases, if these even net out two cases. Remember, uh, like Pete told us in the last episode, if you didn't listen to that episode, go check it out as former FBI agent Pete Lapp joined us on the program to kind of break this all down as he's still a clearance holder as a government contractor. And obviously he's a former FBI agent at chief for close to 20 plus years. So nobody better to explain clearances and what they mean and 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 some of the ways that you get initiated into this and the NDA that you sign in contract with the government. But Um, What is the stark differences between the three of them? Well, here's here's again, according to all reports, President Biden has cooperated with the investigation into the handling of his documents. Even his lawyers in conjunction with the FBI were able to search his home recently to make sure there was nothing left. They initially found the documents at the Penn Biden Center over at the University of Pennsylvania. That's when he left as vice president and entered the private sector and that whatever documents they retrieved there, they were able to send back. Then there was obviously some documents that were found from his time in the Senate uh, at his house. So that's the difference. They've been cooperating with the investigation. The same thing with Mike Pence's. Mike Pence's lawyers were cooperating with the investigation, and they were able to turn over the documents that were in the VP's possession. The stark difference, though, is about former President Trump, right? Former President Trump. I don't have them was according to his true social account and other forms of communication that he would, you know, message out to people, whether it be going on conservative podcasts uh, and he would message out that, you know, he didn't have them. Then I did have them, but I'm president and I declassified them and he didn't go through the proper methods of doing that. And this was after Nara uh, had requested these documents and then they, you know, did not choose to answer a subpoena request for this stuff. And then the FBI comes in and executes a search warrant at his property to retrieve these documents. Now, why are we talking about all this, Nick? Like, what's the importance with all of this? I mean, look, folks, classified documents. Again, last episode, Pete told us 4 million people in this country have a government clearance to see classified documents. And again, it's probably a tier-based system. So it's not, you know, not everybody at that ground level is getting to see what President Biden gets to see or even former President Trump got to see. But at the end of the day, the recklessness with handling this sensitive information that could compromise positions of, you know, key assets overseas, people that we have working on the ground in different countries that help protect this country and keep us safe. I want to play for you, Nick, though. I just laid out there the key differences between the three of them. We have talked about on this show, disingenuousness with respect to right, wrong. Not everything is Republican and Democrat. As clearly as this story is, you got both sides doing this, right? One side making fun of the other side for doing it. And then months later, it's found that they have it. Vice President Pence going on an interview literally a month ago, talking about the classified documents, saying, I don't have any. And now we found 12 as as his residence, excuse me. Um, I want to play for you uh, House Republican Elise Stefanik. The GOP conference was asked about all of this, the three different cases with respect to all of them. And this is what Nick and I have been talking about with disingenuousness. We're going to react on the other side. Take a listen to this.
0: Uh, In the case of Vice President Mike Pence, he came forward uh, and and proactively reached out uh, and is following the process. In the case of Joe Biden, uh, he has had classified documents going back to his time in the Senate where he started serving before I was born. So this is a long-standing national security threat, setting aside the very important fact that Hunter Biden also had access and used as his home address where those classified documents were improperly and illegally stored.
2: Should there be some sort of performance
0: of how top leaders have access to that Well, let's highlight the difference here in what the consequences have been. You had the FBI raid Mar-a-Lago. You did not see any of that happen for President Joe Biden, uh, who illegally did this. What also is different is President Trump, as president, has the right to declassify documents.
1: A couple things there. And again, this gets back to the right-wrong part of this. This is not a Republican or Democratic thing. She mentioned that Mike Pence was cooperating. That is correct. Mike Pence is cooperating. So is President Biden. The initial turn up was from his lawyers that as they were packing up boxes and moving from the Penn Biden Center and moving things back to the president's residence, they were able to find these documents and under 24 hours, turn them back over to the National Archives and then notify the Department of Justice. And then, What ended up happening subsequent from that with any other documents, searches were done in conjunction with law enforcement, okay? She mentioned raid. We don't use the word raid on here because we've seen video footage. There was no raid, no agents going in, kicking down the door. A typical raid that you would see play out in any police drama on television or in a movie involves raiding of someone's home, right? Unannounced, anything like that. They executed a search warrant. Because of an unanswered subpoena and probable cause that led law enforcement there. the president, former President Trump, and we've had former government officials on this program all say this. He did not go through the processes, the, the processes of declassifying sensitive information that was recovered from his residence. If you remember, I believe he said it on Sean Hannity's program, that he declassified them in his mind. Unfortunately, that is not a proper avenue to be able to declassify documents. Um, I think in that clip, now I'm forgetting, I think she said about, uh, it may have cut off because there was more to that clip, but I think she said the FBI is being weaponized right now to only attack Trump, but not current president, which is weird because as we mentioned a bunch on this show, Hunter Biden is currently under investigation by the FBI and the Department of Justice has appointed a special counsel way faster than they did for former President Trump to investigate the mishandling of documents. The one other thing I wanted to mention was the statute of limitations, or at least classified information and how long. I'm so glad she said that former President Biden may have had classified documents since before she was born. Because if he did, it probably is okay because of the statute of limitations with respect to what the classified documents contain in terms of sensitivity to compromise agents or positions. So this is according, again, to the Department of Justice archives. So Elise, he may have had them from 1980. I don't know how old she is, but guess what? Nobody's working in government <laughs> from 1980 that's still there, at least according to the documents that were found and according to reports. Things could change as we're recording this episode, but you never know. But I'm so glad she said that because as of right now, those documents that he has, you could probably throw them in the trash if from his time in the Senate. All right, Nick, I want to get your takeaways here because we've been talking about this all the time. Uh, like, Elise Stefanik's not invited on this program. I'm not, I'm not talking to Elise Stefanik. You're, I mean, you're, you could talk to Elise Stefanik if you want. I'm not going to have Elise Stefanik on this program because we have to start at like a, bla- a baseline compromise. The law enforcement officials, and we've got a few more coming up in the coming months um, we, that we've all had on this program, have all said the same thing. It's an embarrassment. It's, this, isn't, this isn't an R&D thing. It's right, wrong. It's not hard. You go through a process when you leave government and go back to the private sector. There's certain things that you have to do with respect to can't take your work home with you. Marie Harf told us a story about one time her having to come back to work when she was still a CIA analyst and having to bring back a sensitive document that she accidentally took with her. So clearly- um I wouldn't say all these guys are flouting you know the 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 conventional norms of laws and things like that, although in president trump's case you could maybe make that argument. We'll see how the legal process plays out but um it's real simple like this isn't this isn't an r and d thing at least you can't lead with that that they the treating President Trump unfair when I just told you about two investigations into a former v p and now the current president, all right, give me some of your takeaways on. When we heard now that Vice President Pence had some documents at his house.
2: Yeah. I mean, with regards to Congresswoman Stefani, this is why you can't take her seriously. And you're right. Like, we wouldn't have her on this program, you know, because you're not you're not bringing facts to this conversation. When I hear references to Hunter Biden, notice how she talks about, well, he was at the same residence and had access to these documents. There's no proof of that. There's absolutely no evidence that says he actually he saw the same documents there.
1: Yeah. well, Well, hold on. So then we could say that Donald and Eric and Ivanka all had access to former President Trump's, right? If we're making that correlation, that one-to-one, I mean, that could be applicable across the board. Go ahead.
2: Yeah, that's a that's a great point. And you wouldn't hear her bring it up because she's not a serious person. You know, And, and at the same time, when you talk about using the word raid, which again was the execution of a search warrant, which we wouldn't need a search warrant if you had turned over all the documents you were supposed to. And in the case of you know, the former vice president and the current president now both have cooperated. So, again, when you, when someone like her decides to lead with politics and you splice in buzzwords, yeah, to those who, who have rabbit ears like you and I, because we read the newspapers, we, you know, this, this is something we're very passionate about in doing this show. We're sensitive to those things and we also basically see the clouds that are forming. You know, the attempts to obfuscate facts to score political points because so the people, as Mike, you've talked about before, who may not be paying attention to all this. They sadly may be hearing those phrases, raid Hunter Biden, um, you know, Biden or President Biden having stuff before she was born. You know, so they may unfortunately, those who are not paying as much attention, that's what they pay attention to. And they also pay attention to the "r" you know, in front of her title, right? But, you know, to those of us who do care and pay attention, like we know that this what she said is mired in in politics where it's not mired in politics. And I give a shout out to these two gentlemen, Senator Mark Warner, of Virginia and Senator Marco Rubio, of Florida, who both obviously political opponents are currently now working together with the Senate Intelligence Committee. Warner is the is currently serving as I believe um, committee chairman of the Senate Intelligence Committee. They both have come forward and asked questions about what is going on here. Um, Recently, the director of national intelligence, Avril Haines, you know, appeared before. Actually, this week um, appeared before Congress, you know, for for some for some questions. And these are this is part of what came up, too. Now, when I say the name, Marco Rubio, you could also add him as to someone who's not going to be on the show. But in that moment, I understand the questions he's asking. How is this happening? And the same thing with Senator Warner, who understands that while Rubio is not necessarily the most serious person in this moment is an ally because both sides of the aisle recognize there is a problem here. And when I think of that, I also think of someone like Pete Lapp, obviously friend of the show, who all three of these people say the exact same thing. And you and I do, too. This is wrong. This is not about your political party. This is a very cut and dry thing. These are confidential documents. These are classified documents. They should not be in your possession unless it's in a secure location. And that's certainly not behind your, you know, your, you know, lovely sports car. I forget what he drives. Uh, It's certainly not unprotected in wherever you're keeping him at Mar-a-Lago, you know, and wherever the former vice president Pence kept them. Same thing. They're not designated locations and this is what everyone's asking about. The other question I would bring up here, the larger thing I also asked, too, is, you know, what is the precedent we're now going to set? And I think that's actually what's about to happen in Congress. is there's going to be conversation of, you know, what are we going to do to anyone who's had previous classified documents? What are we going to start putting into place? You remember that with um former President Trump, where all this comes from, was the net was what the National Archives was saying was saying is that since Watergate or since the Nixon administration, it is a requirement for all classified documents to be turned in promptly and for good reason with what Richard Nixon was guilty of um, or at least admitted to. And since then, everyone has filed protocol up until, you know, former President Trump. And now it seems like he's not the only one. So I like you, I don't I don't think this is a political matter. This is a case of people really flouting the law on both sides, the both sides of the political spectrum. And I think Congress, like Pete and others are all wondering aloud what the hell is going on. And more importantly, what are we going to do about it?
1: Yeah, well, NARA is doing something in the National Archives and Records Administration. They sent a letter to representatives of former presidents, vice presidents over the last six presidential administrations, just according to reports from the AP and Reuters, um. And it's everything that's been covered by the Presidential Records Act. And it's really, hey, former leaders, check your files, ensure that materials thought to be personal does not inadvertently contain presidential records that are required by law to be turned over to the National Archives. Uh, You know, one thing uh, to put a bow on this before we get into former President Trump, speaking of former President Trump, coming back to social media, at least mainstream avenues of social media, um, the. Pete mentioned in the last episode, and I highly recommend people go check out that interview, but Pete mentioned about, you know, um, volume, right? The FBI recovered, you know, 13,000 plus documents from Mar-a-Lago, maybe about 150 to 200 plus had sensitive classified uh, markings that were not supposed to be in the possession of of the former president. But Pete said on that episode, I want to echo it here for people that didn't listen to it, was that it's not necessarily a volume thing when it comes to this stuff. It's what's in those documents. He talked about his personal case uh, arresting somebody who was uh, charged with espionage, and this person was selling sensitive information back to the Cuban government. Uh, and it was four, four sentences that he said that was in one document that really compromised either you know um, missions or whatever it was that was to be carried out by the US government. And that was the big tipping point. So we still don't know what's actually in these documents across the board for all three. So more on the investigations as they come out uh, in the coming weeks. And we'll be we'll be devoting obviously more attention to it and having more experts on, including a former DOJ uh, prosecutor. All right, Nick, Meta is reinstating Donald Trump's Facebook and Instagram accounts. After the Trump campaign team had petitioned the company to reinstate his account in mid January, uh, they said that a continuing a ban would amount to silencing Donald Trump's political voice. Now, obviously, the president has been banned for two years. Uh, I want you to take a listen uh, real quick to, I forget his title at Facebook, but he's always making the television rounds. Nick Clegg on with my buddy Brett Bear over at Fox News' special report. Uh, He went on recently to explain why Meta is lifting this after a couple years of former President Trump not being on the platform, obviously, for certain things that they felt he helped incite on January 6th. Take a listen to this.
2: You are ending the suspension of former President Trump on Facebook and Instagram. Why are you doing that now? And explain what's behind it. So he he was suspended for two years from using Facebook and Instagram, and that two-year clock expires now, this month, and so we're confirming that if he wants to, he he can, in the coming weeks, he can use Facebook uh, and and Instagram again. Um, I mean, of course, there are guardrails, there are rules. He's got to play by the, the rules. At the end of the day, we believe the American people should hear uh, from including on on our apps and services from those who want to who want to lead them and he's a former president of the of, of this country uh, vying to be a candidate for the next presidential elections and we don't really want to all other things be equal um you know stand in the way
1: nick is met as president of global affairs and the uk's former deputy prime minister and he was there in the clip uh, uh, talking about the policies. One thing I will say on this, the company has also updated its protocol for repeat offenses from other public figures whose accounts have been reinstated following suspensions that were related to civil unrest. This is according to uh, Politico. And then obviously we still don't know if President Trump is going to jump back on Twitter. He's been reinstated on Twitter. He has not touched his Twitter account. Um, Why are we covering this? Because- the avenues and platforms uh, that are available now to the former president of which 75 million people voted for him in the last election. And at the time, you know, he had access to all of these tools and had a far reach, you know, 32 million Facebook followers, 81 million uh, Twitter followers, however many on Instagram, doesn't matter about the crossover number. If you put it in accumulation, that's a lot of different people that he can reach and amplify his message. Uh, but let me tell you something, just like I've said on previous episodes, I'm going to say it here. It's not your house. This is Facebook's house. This is Meta's house. You got to take your shoes off. I'm the landlord. Okay. So if Donald Trump wants to post something that doesn't follow the guidelines with respect to content, it's not limiting free speech, least, Stefanik. Marjorie Taylor Green, Lauren Boebert, anybody who listens to any of them, it's not your house. You go back to Truth Social. You can read Truth a bunch of things over there uh, and you can live on that platform and you can live in that ecosystem. But um, this is Meta's house. They're letting them back in the house. got to take your shoes off. You got to do this and that. We'll see if the former president does all of that, uh, because obviously he has still gone around talking about the election being stolen and um, other things that are just not of this universe, which has influenced, at least for me personally, people in my own family that think he'll actually be back uh, last August to be president of the United States. All right, Nick, why in your mind is this a, a big
2: deal with respect to the former president getting access to social media platforms again? Uh, I don't know if it's I don't know if it's that big a deal in that. um you know, this is a this is a matter of choice. Like if you are someone that, <laughs> you know, desires to hear from Donald Trump, um, you know, through these particular platforms, then that's then that's fine. You know, when when Trump was welcomed back on Twitter, I, I think I saw some, you know, attempts to sort of put that, you know, put him back onto my timeline and I just muted him and then blocked him. And that was it. I kept about my business, you know, with any of these apps. You have to, as Mike has talked about, like recognize their recognize their private company, but more importantly, yes, they're a form of information if you use it appropriately, but it's also a form of entertainment. So, you know, am I worried about the former president coming back on these platforms with a with, I mean using these as platforms to spew his nonsense? Yeah, but I also recognize the fact that, you know, if people are gullible enough to believe his nonsense, then I don't know what to tell you honestly, um, you know if you're if you're silly enough to believe what he has to say and that you didn't pay attention to since 2016 or anyone who told you prior to him running, or if you read Jeff Perlman's book in the USFL, there's many different ways that people have tried to point out the fact that he's a fraud as evidenced by wait for it, his tax returns that just came out. There's nothing trustworthy of this gentleman. So if these outlets want to bring him back on, so be it. At the same time, Let's not try to let, this is not an issue of nobility. What that what that person just said a moment ago about, well, we feel this person is going to run for office and people should be allowed to hear it. Shut up. Honestly, shut up. This is for one reason and one reason only. He brings numbers. The second he's back on those platforms, the people who are over on Parler, who are true, true social or wherever, 4chan or nonsense like that will come running on back to Facebook and notice that the timing of what you just said currently, and I forgot where I read this, we're seeing massive layoffs at Microsoft, not so much with Apple. Google. Google in New York, there's a story that just came out that employees at Google basically ran their ID cards to get into their office. And if it came up green, you were good. If it came up red, you were fired. So in the tech world right now, we're seeing, I think, upwards of about 200,000 layoffs happening in the first part of this year. And what we're finding out is, like a lot of businesses during the pandemic there was just a glut amazon by the way is also having some cutbacks too there was just a glut of spending and they're suddenly having they're having to basically tighten their wallets like a men, like many companies in this country are doing so you know meta like other companies is seeing a way to be able to boost their profits by bringing on one of the most controversial figures and as a consumer as mike likes to bring this up we're all consumers of this. If you choose to stay on, you recognize this. And all you can do with people like Trump on these platforms is mute them or block them. And if you see someone who's spewing the same nonsense, you mute them or block them too. And if they happen to be a member of your family, then make your next Thanksgiving quite uncomfortable for them.
1: Well, if you listen to the episode we had Jared Sexton on, he said, get to the root of what's driving them down these rabbit holes. Nick and I don't got time for that. All right. Let me give you some numbers before we go to the break here, because I'm so glad you said a bunch of that stuff. First off, the reason Apple hasn't had layoffs, shout out to CEO Tim Cook for taking a 40, 40% pay cut to help uh, his employees so that they wouldn't have to go through a round of cuts. Uh, that's pretty cool by a CEO to do that. Um, it must be nice to take a 40% pay cut and and not have it really dent you that much. Um, in terms of President Trump, when he launched True Social in February of 2022, uh, it has just 4.8 million followers right now on the platform. He has on Facebook and Instagram combined 57 million followers. Uh, if he does come back to Facebook, this is according to Politico, Trump is obligated to post social media content six hours on Truth Social before any other social media sites. So if he if he's going to announce something, let's say a vice presidential pick, he and he wants to put it on social media, he has to announce it on Truth Social first. Before he would do it across any of the other uh, sites and apps, because again he has a huge majority stake in Truth Social. Now, one other thing to mention, real quick, his main vehicle for raising political money, according to numbers last year or, or excuse me in twenty twenty one, they spent two point three million on Facebook ads across nearly a dozen pages. That compares to more than one hundred thirteen million on his main page alone from twenty eighteen until. January of 2021, which was his suspension. So, according to a senior Trump advisor, doesn't say who it was, so this was probably off the record. Facebook advertising was a big part of the victory in 2016, a big part of the 2020 re-election campaign. So if Trump were to be let back on Facebook, it would be a big boon to the campaign and advertising structure. So just some numbers I wanted to give to people there because that is important um, as we go to the break, and we'll be covering more of that because. Everybody's covering that. I mean, we've literally had people on this show that are devoted to finding out what right wing media and the echo chamber is saying about certain things. And obviously, I don't have true social. Nick doesn't have true social. So we're not really sure what the former president is saying. And the only way we see it is on our Twitter avenues, right? So we'll find out how that impacts him going forward if he is the Republican nominee for 2024. All right. When we come back after the break, Nick and I will take you inside this story about the six-year-old that shot the teacher in Virginia, obviously had made the news. There's been some updates to the story. Nick and I with more after the break.
2: Planning for your next trip?
1: Nick, today's episode is presented as always by our friends over at Fresh Roasted Coffee. Since 2009, their passion has always been bringing you gourmet coffees from all over the world, roasted fresh to order. I got my coffee snob here, Nick Saveri. Nick, tell these people, coffee snob it up here. Tell these people why Fresh Roasted Coffee is so good and why they're the official sponsor of Can We Please Talk?
2: You know, often the best cup of coffee that you're ever going to have is the one you can make, you can make from home and you need good quality coffee to do that. And that's what Fresh Roasted of Coffee offers. You know, between single origin, between blends, flavors, anything on the coffee spectrum they've got. But more importantly, and I can't stress this enough, often when you purchase coffee, you don't know where to start. I mean, there's so many different varieties, so many different opportunities, so many different things you could choose from. And Fresh Roasted of Coffee just gives you a very simple questionnaire and just says, hey, figure out what your, cu- what your coffee cup is. Figure out what blend works for you. I've gotten some single origin recommendations, so has Mike, and that's influenced everything. And what they recommend, you can get in a Keurig cup, the way Mike takes it. You can take it in the way I do it, which is typically through a French press, or you can get it for a percolator. Whatever coffee machine you've got, they've got you covered. But more importantly, just a huge variety and a way to learn more
1: about coffee itself. No, that's very well said. And all of this is available at freshroastedcoffee.com. On their site. One cup is all it takes to fall in love with fresh roasted coffee. But you get a discount for being a listener of Can We Please Talk. All you got to do is enter in the promo code Can We Get 20 at checkout to get 20% off your first purchase. Head to freshroastedcoffee.com today. All right, if you haven't heard the story about the six year old student that shot a teacher, Abigail Zwader, uh back a few months ago a 6-year-old student in virginia that was able to get access to a weapon and shoot his teacher the teacher survived the shooting thankfully and she was telling law enforcement this was on january 6th that she was shot she had told administrators sent text messages to people at the school saying that the student had a gun in his backpack that he had been frustrated to her because she had been trying to get him help and nobody was helping this kid. Um, She had been telling them the school officials were failing to act. This kid's going to do some bodily harm to me. This is again, (laughs) you know, I don't know how old the teacher is, but she was telling school officials and administrators that she had a bad feeling about what would happen here with respect to this student. Let's play a clip of the local news in Virginia because some recent news came out about all of this and the superintendent there and, you know, what was happening with the school district, who's going to be held accountable. Take a listen to the local news, this coverage of this event.
0: The school board in Virginia may part ways with a superintendent after a six-year-old shot his first grade teacher in the middle of class. Officials in Newport News, Virginia, will vote on plans to terminate Superintendent George Parker III during a special meeting tonight. A lawyer for the injured teacher said today teachers and employees warned school administrators three times that the boy had a gun and was threatening other students, but said the administration, quote, could not be bothered.
1: Could not be bothered. That is, I'm going to let the former teacher tee off on that one. But uh, this is according to Diane Toscano. This is the attorney for Abigail Zwainer. I think I'm saying her last name correctly. I have not actually heard it uh, in news conferences or stuff like that. I've just been reading articles about the story. But uh, Wednesday morning that happened on January 6th, three teachers went to the school administration to tell them about the boy's behavior and to tell them that they believed he had a gun on him. Just think about that right now for a second, that he had a gun on him and he's a six-year-old and you got teachers fearing for their life for a six-year-old. All right, more on that in a second. Zwainer first went to a school administrator between 11.15 a.m. and 11.30, said the student had threatened to beat up a classmate. Okay, that's the first thing. Second teacher went to the school administrator at 12.30 and said the teacher had taken it upon herself to search the boy's backpack but the administrator, now this is according to the lawyer, the administrator downplayed the report from the teacher and the possibility of a gun. Again, six-year-old with a gun on a school campus. Third teacher told the administrator shortly before 1 p.m. that the boy showed a student the gun at recess and threatened to shoot him if he told anybody. Okay, that's three employees now, uh, Nick. A fourth employee asked an administrator for permission to search the boy and was denied. The administrator told the employee to wait the situation out because the school day was almost over. God, man. Toscano said the administration could not be bothered. Again, that this is the lawyer for Abigail Suena, the teacher that was shot, and that the tragedy would have been entirely preventable if the administration had taken action when they had knowledge of imminent danger, but instead they failed to act, and Abby was shot. Uh, Nick, all right. I know you had a bunch lined up for this, for the people listening to this, watching us on YouTube. I have not, I know nothing of what you're going to say here. You wrote out a couple of things. You want to give your perspectives. Again, former teacher yourself been in classroom settings, maybe not to this younger age, um, but tell us initial impressions of this, because this happened a few weeks ago. We had been texting about it. Uh, We hadn't covered it on the show. Thank God she was okay. There was a subsequent video that came out from a parent uh, of of one of the kids at the school. uh, I believe a woman of British descent who's married to somebody in the US Army here. And the video is of her chastising the United States for the amount of guns that they have, that she has to worry about a six-year-old carrying a gun. And she says, and I'm paraphrasing, but I think I got it pretty much down pat, Uh, I wouldn't live here if it wasn't for my husband in the military, because I don't want to live here because of how much you guys love guns. And it was really impactful. We didn't cover it a couple of weeks ago like we wanted to. But now with the recent updates that the superintendent has been let go from the school district, um, five to one vote, and he has been let go, the superintendent of that school district. Give me some of
2: your overall impressions on all of this. Well, first, the superintendent I don't think is necessarily to blame for this. Um, But like Mike is, you know, like me as a sports fan, you know, when a, a team has a, well, most recently we just saw this, right. We saw, you know, a, a team give up a huge lead in an NFL playoff game. And, you know, about 48 hours later, what happens? Well, we're going to fire the offensive coordinator. We're going to go ahead and fire the quarterback's coach. You know, for some reason, the head coach stayed, I don't know what, um, we're gonna find someone to blame. Head, a head is going to roll. In this case, even outside the education setting, this is just a failure of protocol. You know, I, I tend to be a process person in these situations. And the question I'm always gonna ask is, well, what is supposed to happen? You know, if a teacher says to you or an employee says to you, hey, I believe someone has a gun. Well, what are we supposed to do here? And I don't care about the age of the of the person in question, regardless. It's America. Someone says, you know, a two-year-old has a gun. You should go check the bag. But I don't know what the protocol is. But the fact that a superintendent got voted out tells me that we're just going to start scapegoating people at this point. Because in that moment, this is a decision by a school leader, assistant principal, and other members of the, instru- of the building leadership team that in that moment, basically in one way or another said, we're not taking this situation seriously. To the person who said, well, let's just wait this out. Yeah, that person should probably get fired as well. So it's just a failure by a school administration to handle a a situation appropriately. Mike, you know, this is a personal story for me because when I was in sixth grade, I remember a a classmate of mine had told me and a friend of mine that he had a gun. What I vaguely remember is I believe we saw the gun in his book bag. He is the son. I'm not going to name names here. He's the son of a former, or actually, I I think he may now be a retired police officer. Had a gun or made reference to having one. And specifically mentioned that he was going to shoot our assistant principal. So at some point, the next day in school, or actually it was in the morning. Now I remember it was in the morning that this was said. I then later in the day, told the teacher teacher then directs me over to the assistant principal. this was actually the person in question or who was you know potentially the you know the person who made a shot um, and asked me flat out like, what did I hear? What did I see? And I told this person what I saw and what I heard. The person in question, the young man in question, had their bag searched, had a gun, did not have bullets, gun did belong to his father. The young man was suspended immediately. In that situation, within the matter of hours, a couple hours time, the situation was resolved. um Thankfully, years later, I ran into this student. the student. Student, I are good friends. He understood why back then. Um, I felt the need to speak up, but I thought immediately of that situation in contrast to this, because as a student, I knew that I had to say something. Like this teacher and like her colleagues, all felt the need to say something. I fortunately was in a situation where I was hurt and actions were taken. And unfortunately, in the case of this teacher, they were not. Now let's talk about what's going to come next. So this the lawyer representing the teacher has now has brought suit you know, to the school board. So I was curious about what in the, in the macro, what usually are reasons to sue us, to sue a school district actually? I did a quick search over at LegalMatch.com, just had some information that if you are, and now it's written from the lens of being a parent, but some of this also affects teachers as well. So not the you know, at the risk of making this sound like a game of family feud, like top five reasons that, you know, you would sue a school district. In no particular order, it goes as follows. Sexual harassment, which relates to obviously the treatment of an employee there. Uh, child abuse, obviously the engagement of, of a student. Discrimination, which can be, you know, often associated with sexual harassment, um, and as it refers to you know how you're treated as employee. Underemployment also falls in the areas of workers' compensation, wrongful termination, uh, and then of course this is another. Int- this was the one that really stood out. This falls under the category of various causes of action. This can involve the following: personal injury involving, wait for it, school employees. Now, in this case, this is this is involving a student, but. What the lawyer may bring up is, you know, my client spoke up. Her colleagues spoke up. The administration did not protect her. And in this case, she was hurt on the job. So they're going to sue the school district. So those examples I gave are just, again, just some basic reasons why people may potentially su- sue a school district. The other side to this, too, is if I'm a teacher, and hopefully I work in a, school, in a school district or in a school where I have access to a union. I'm calling my representative right now. I'm making sure that the next teacher's union meeting, I'm asking the question, what happens when it's one of us? What are our options? And I want to get real clear with the union what is done to protect us. Because clearly, depending on the state, in terms of access to guns, Outside the school building, you can only do so much. But within the school building, that's the question I have as, as a teacher, how am I protected? And that's what every teacher should be asking themselves. If you, have, if you have the benefit of being protected by a union, having union representation, get in touch with them. Find out what your options are, because that is the only likely form of recourse here is to get protection from a school administration that did not have your interest at hand. Appreciate you sharing that personal story. That's wild
1: that that happened to you. And unfortunately, you know, nothing came of that. But I'm sure for Abigail, it's something that's obviously always going to be ingrained in her mind, Uh, thoughts and prayers. Obviously, she is on the road to recovery, but everybody affected by that in that school district, um, you know, sending out thoughts and prayers to all of them uh for this show video you want to check out any of the video interviews that we've done on this program we've got some great guests coming up in the coming weeks head over to our youtube channel type in can we please talk podcast follow us subscribe over on youtube follow us on social media ig tiktok twitter at can we please talk podcast on twitter at can we please talk follow us on braid as well shout out to braid the new social media app that we have partnered with we are putting out exclusive content over on braid. Just go to the App Store, type in braid, b r a i d, and you can check out some of our after the talk segments that we've done on braid where we have had different guests that have been on this program and they kind of take their shoes off, relax a little bit, we can ask them some more uh hard-hitting questions over on braid. So check that out, download that app. Shout out to Acast our hosting platform, we can't do it without them. Can't do it without each and every one of you that listens to the show each week. We appreciate it. As always, I am Mike Leon. And I'm Nick Saveri. We'll see everybody next time.